Thanksgiving begins a very special time of the year for us. It's the time of peace and reflection and of getting ready for the new year. One thing we should all be thankful for is that we live in America, where we have the freedom to change things and the opportunity to... Welcome to the Drum Turkey Show. Starring Big Blue. Can I say hi, Kim? Hi, hi. Oh, I love you. You are just like a giant. <laughs> Lady, Lady Liberty just squirted in my face. And when you do drink with a straw, the myth is you get more drunk because you get more air mixed in. Hi, Maggie. You know how the, the, the fans going like this? It goes, ooh, yeah. when it hits my butthole. Last time I went to Mexico, uh, I, I stopped by a little stand and the lady had gloves. I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, lady, take off those gloves. I need that shit. Yeah. It wasn't. It's like, like drinking beer so you can feel good and like, like it tastes good. What the hell's the <laughs> point of this? And Daniel J. I got a friend named John Martinez who's not allowed to vibrate. Yo puede hablar español cuando yo tomando. You look very handsome tonight, LJ. Every day, it's everyday thing. I gotta wake up. This is excellent. Y'all watch them every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I get to see them every day. They <laughs> get, get to see those chicks every day. What's on his face? And the other ones. Three thousand. It still sucks. This is Phil J. Pride, and you're listening to the Drunken Turkey Show. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Hit that button, like and subscribe. You know what to do. Just like every other podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel, and alongside with me is Big Blue. Yo, Blue, what's up? How you doing? What's going on, man? Look, somebody's already wanting you to take your glasses off again, but hey, <laughs> 50K for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. No matter what, once we hit that 50K subscribe, I know when I, I talked about you know hitting 30K a while back, but that was within that month. Now, um, we were blowing up pretty quick at that time, about 10,000 subscribers a month, and we were only like... I don't know. I want to say about 150 to 200 subscribers away from hitting 30K that month. And I had said if we hit 30K, the glasses will come off. But I will say this. Once we hit 50, they're coming off. They're coming off. That way everybody can see this ugly mug. Uh, <laughs> and so, Mine come off all the time when I get beer in my face. That's part of this. <laughs> well, you never know. It might happen this Friday. Um, I am probably gonna be doing well you know what we are we had 36k myself big blue and Jaime are going to shotgun a beer this friday you're off right i'm off friday yes sir so we'll we'll see we'll, we'll put it out in the you know for you guys in the live chat to see you know let us know who you think did it the best and so to speak so big blues had some practice compared to the rest of us so yeah. <laughs> he should be the favorite he should be the favorite i got some cheating tools too so that's true too. They haven't worked for him too well, but he does have them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I want to thank everybody that has subscribed. We went well over thirty six thousand, and I want to thank you guys so much. You know, all the the members as well, the uh, the moderators, everybody that's helped put this show together. You know, it wouldn't be out there without you guys in the live chat and you guys on the replay, uh, watching in and tuning in so often. We appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, you know, quick baby update. None yet. We had our pre-op um, appointment this morning. Everything went well, and so uh, tomorrow morning, about seven, probably about seven thirty Central Time, there'll be a, 
a new turkey, <laughs> so to speak, uh, amongst the, the group. Let's see. Uh, you should make a collage of big... Yeah, we probably should. That, that would probably get us to the 100K subscribers faster <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, they're, they're kind of on my TikTok. I put them on my TikTok all the time, but oh well. <laughs> well, what is your TikTok, Blue, so that everybody knows and they can go follow you? Uh, let me get it up here because I don't even remember no more. I have so many passwords for everything. I hear you, man. I hear you. I know it's Big Blue, but let's see. Also, Big guys, Blue I want to. TEX. Big Blue Big TEX. TEX, like text. TEX, my bad. Yeah. Got to get it right. Got to get it right. You'll see Big Blue there. I think mine is Daniel Drunk Turkey or something like that. So go find me. Uh, next Thursday, though, we'll be on the Spectoral Sailor. She has about 93 subs, talks a little bit of true crime and some conspiracy. Uh, we'll be there next Thursday. We're supposed to come on tomorrow night. We had made arrangements to come on tomorrow night. However, uh, that was prior to the uh, my daughter's and my wife's uh, appointment being scheduled for tomorrow. And so we had to reschedule for next Thursday. So uh, go check her out. The Spectoral Sailor will be out there next week. So just wanted to throw that out there. And so let's see. Oh, thank you so much for sharing us on Facebook. We appreciate that. And and, and for those that don't know, we're, we're, we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Rumble. So if you're interested in following us on any of those platforms, by all means, we would appreciate it. We got to yeah. do a TikTok live one of these days, Blue. Yeah, we do. Especially on Twitter, we got, we got somebody famous follow us that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, man. Uh, one of our uh, childhood, you know, um, musicians. I want to, uh, how can I put it? A, a musician that we followed as children or young teens and adults uh, started following us today. Uh, is the second musician actually uh, to follow us that's kind of up there. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe we'll get him on the show. We'll try. Yeah, we'll try. Pretty cool. And today <laughs> I am drinking. I know it looks like like horse piss, but it's uh, Cantaritos Bajaritos Tamarin. 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 Oh, dude, that sounds tamarin. good, dude. That sounds pretty good. And for Groot, yes, we have chosen a name. Her name will be Rogan, R-O-G-N, Page. And so, uh, you know, her name's Rogan Page. And like I said before, she ends up following my footsteps and has a YouTube channel in the next 18 years or so. It'll probably be called The Page Report. <laughs> and so uh, thank you guys and thank you everybody in the live chat. So today what we wanted to talk about is is the evidence that is out there against Brian Koberger, how strong is it, right? Now, um, <clears throat> before we get into anything, Blue, what would you say is the most strongest evidence against Koberger right now? The strongest is still the DNA to me. That's the, I mean, I've gone back and watched a few reports. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing they arrested on was the report, uh, the DNA and the phone tracking. Right. See, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It would be the DNA. It'd be the phone. And I think it's going to be, you know, we don't know the results of the uh, search warrant from his white Elantra, but the video that's out there of his white Elantra in the area and those type of things and how they were able to pinpoint it back to Koberger, in my opinion, is pretty big evidence, right? And so 
for those that don't follow airmail they have a uh, another article that came out earlier this week <laughs> thank you so much chief with your 999 diaper money uh, rogan cool name yes thank you we appreciate that thank you so much um another airmail article has come out uh, from howard bloom who is a, a journalist author right and he's come up with a lot of detailed information from inside of the case and I wanted to go through some of the more important highlights of this, because this here, in my opinion, talks the most about the evidence that they have against Koberger. And in my opinion, it's um, not a lot. And so let's let's break it down. Now, he is a journalist, but he's also an author. So this this airmail article is written very much like a short story with a lot of what I call fat in it. So what I want to do is just concentrate on the details and cut the fat out, right? Like a harsh reality says just to the meat and potatoes, so to speak. So let's get into it. <clears throat> now, all like this it. right here. What's that, Blue? I said we all like our steak and potatoes. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So initially, all this right here is stuff that is uh, relative, really not really relative. Um, you know, it talks about Koberger. Uh, going to school into sales talks about him being a, br a bright student. In fact, they uh, had his one of his uh, professors, Doctor uh, Michelle Bolger, um, stated that he was one of the brightest, if not the brightest, student that she ever had, and stated that she had only um, recommended two students. And it says right here, I've only recommended two students to the PhD program, and he was one of them. He was one of my best students ever. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Koberger and his um, issues with females, especially females who were in his classroom. Uh, there's been reports that he thought he was better than um, women and things of that nature, that he was basically sexist. Um, you know, he, he was under the studies of several female professors in DeSales. Uh, this is one of them. What do you, first and foremost, what is are you surprised by this type of statement from one of his professors, given what we've heard about Koberger Blue? No, because there's a difference between your personal life and then being at school, man. And I know some really brilliant people. I mean, I know a few people who've got PhDs, you know, masters, really book smart, but when it comes to the way they treat people and the way they treat, the way they uh, interact with the real world is, is uh, is different because they just don't know how to act around people. Right, 100%. And the other thing is, too, this was there is such a thing of a person getting or allowing a position to get to his head. You know, as a student, I'm sure he probably had, uh, he may have had more of a level headed uh, thing about him. But as a teacher's assistant and a person who is now one of going into the PhD program, you know, perhaps maybe the position got to his head and, and, a little, and more of that um, sexist personality came out. What do you think? Uh, I think, sorry, can you ask that again? I mean, was... Not a problem. I said um, basically that, you know, there is such a thing that the position could have gone to his head. You know, as a student, he could have been one way. And then once he became a teacher's assistant and put in a position of somewhat power over other students, especially when it came to their grades, maybe perhaps that got to his head and that sexist behavior came out more frequently. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you would agree with that, right? 
that can happen yes i would definitely agree with that um but there's one thing like i wonder like if we can ever get one of the male students in the class and see how you interacted with them right um, yeah if, go ahead if anybody as i say if anybody know out there knows anybody of those students there that, that went to school with them and i wanted to come out and talk and see how they interact in class with them that'd be pretty cool to find out how he was with them right right in fact I'm going to hint something out there right now. Um, we're going to have a, sh a video coming out this weekend. I was contacted after our show with Kim uh, yesterday, last night. I was contacted by a student of the University of Idaho. He is a uh, fraternity student, so he's part of Greek life. And he had a lot of interesting things to tell me. I am in the process of vetting him, which is why we're not talking about it tonight, and we'll be doing a video uh, about it later on this week. He does want to remain anonymous, so I will be doing my best to do that. I will say that I have been able to bet that he is actually a student of the University of Idaho and is in a fraternity. Um, he has even sent me pictures of, you know, his fraternity was so close to the King Road residence, he sent me pictures from his room of that house from where, you know, where you can where you can see this uh the victim's house he has a lot of interesting things to say and i'll say this that he does kind of back up a lot of what kim says not not everything but a lot of it was backed up and i want to make sure like i did with kim that i do the best i possibly can to vet this person um you know he had more information about about other people you know, and, and I'll talk briefly about it. Uh, Emma Bailey and Demetrius, who were arrested and, and knows a little bit about them or a lot more about them. Um, but he did have quite a bit of information about this house, about what was going on in this house. And I'll leave it at that. He also, again, I said, I'm still vetting this, but uh, there may have been somebody who spotted Koberger um, that morning around 9 and 10 a.m. Now. We know already, based on his phone pings, that he was in the area according to the probable cause affidavit. And so uh, I'll leave it at that until I'm able to verify everything else. But I do know those things. He did come forward. He had a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. And so, um, like I said, before I put it all out there and put everything that this person has said, I need to vet that information. And that information will be coming out probably you know, Saturday or Sunday. So, so stay tuned for that. And, um, and we'll move forward from there. Um, but, you know, he also explained some things that may have been different than what Kim uh, had said and as to why they may be different. And it has to do with Greek row and protecting each other. And so I, I, I found this person to be extremely credible you know, I talked with this person for well over an hour and uh, we ended, We I have it recorded. Big Blue and Hyman have seen uh, parts of it. They haven't seen it all because it just occurred probably about two and a half hours ago. And so um, I, I'm not going to be airing that out, just like I didn't air out the conversation that I had with Kim. Yeah. You know, that is for us to go back, write notes, and if anything were to change or whatnot, it'll help us to um, move forward with this. 
let's see. I want to read this. Chronicles of Olivia said she got emails too from several students saying what happened and most of the names. And same as Kim, but they were scared to talk. And you know, I'll drop this this piece of information. And this is the only information that I'm going to drop about it because I don't know. I, I believe it. I didn't detect any deception, but this gentleman was aware of the situation at 9.30 that morning. And I'll leave it at that. The rest of it, I need to vet and I need to make sure that it's real. And so uh, this person was part of Greek Row from the University of Idaho, so he would know quite a bit more. But we'll leave it at that. For tonight, what we wanted to do is talk about the evidence and how strong this evidence is. And so um, we'll continue going that route. Um, the other, you know, I'll, I'll say this other thing. Based on the information that he told me, I am super disappointed in the police department that's there and the job that they did. I've been disappointed in their job, you know, as things begin to come out and progress. Uh, but I'll say that if what he is telling me is true, I, I am extremely disappointed in their work. And so he uh, he was very emotional. He was, um, and you know, we'll talk more about it on the on the show. So stay tuned for that. Yep. All righty, this is going to be. I, I got to put it together. I'm still vetting everything, uh, Gina. And um, yeah, yeah, they're going to go crazy. I can imagine. But um, and like I said. Like some of the things that Kim said about how many how many people were possibly in the house that night or the extent of the injuries, he wasn't aware of. So it's, it doesn't go down that avenue, but it does go down the avenue of what occurred that morning, what he had heard and things of that nature. And, and it goes into more detail about Emma and, um, and Demetrius. So we'll say that. Like Kim saying there may be a false alibi was the, the, the false alibi to answer that real quick. Angel was Kim was suspicious of of her daughter's um, sorority sister's boyfriend, because when she dropped off her daughter at, at her daughter's house and left, he wasn't there. However, her daughter tried to tell her after the fact that he was. And that that guy was an alibi, supposedly, to one of the people who were cleared in this case. And he was just one of the alibis. That person had multiple alibis, apparently. So I just wanted to let that know. Uh, I hope I don't faint also. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about it before the show. I did put in a poll. I did put in a poll. And just to see where we're at on that poll... Uh, it's not as confident as people think. 53% say that I am not, which means about 47% of you guys think that I will. <laughs> Put it this way. I used to be okay with, you know, blood, guts, and gore and things of that nature. It didn't bother me. Uh, you know, I've seen some crazy things in my career and, and, and things of that nature. But it's been a long time, and I don't do well with needles on my own. Like... It's not good for me, and, and so there's a possibility there. I don't, I don't do good, and and especially when like somebody that I truly care for and love, like my wife, uh, you know, her being cut open is gonna freak me out. I can only imagine. But let's let's get on to the content. That's what you guys want to hear. So 
I went, let me just put this on through real quick. I went, uh, my ex-wife and me had two daughters and both were C-sections and I was there for both. Me being in the medical field, you know, it was interesting to me to see everything. So, you know, there was no curtain and I was watching everything, but it, it, it is a little gory. It is a little, a little scary for some people who don't know what might, what might be happening. And, you know, sometimes uh, the anesthesiologist is there to help and I mean, you just see that guy cranking vials into into uh, the tubes to try to bring you back or to try to to calm you down. Your heart rate goes up, so it's, it's a big scene, man. It's pretty crazy. Well, I'll say this: I was talking to my mom today, um, just before we went live, and my mom um, had C sections with all of us, and she was telling me the uh, some stuff that happened with my my youngest brother. Like, I guess she moved during the shot, and they had to redo it. And I don't do good with shots, so I already started getting dizzy. <laughs> she was telling me these things, and I was like, Mom, you know what? It's probably best you don't tell me. I know you're trying to prepare me for what I'm about to see and what's going to happen, but let's just kind of keep it a surprise, you know, because <laughs> I really don't want to go in there knowing. The uh, the nurse, when we did our pre-op appointment, they already told me this morning, like, hey, if you're not feeling good, just sit on the floor. And I'm like, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much, Cecilia. We appreciate that. Uh, yep, happy birthday tomorrow. You know, I told my wife that, and she's like, it's not a birthday yet. <laughs> I was like, it <laughs> technically is. All righty, let's, let's get into the content. Um, here, this talks about the evidence, right? It says the cumulative, the cumulative evidence was damning, was damned, incriminating, but wasn't proof. And they're talking about the vehicle. And so right here, it states, within days of the incident, the Moscow police had gathered a stream of video featuring that quickly dubbed suspect vehicle one. There was never suspect vehicle two, or for that matter, three, only they had a problem with the quality of images. They were flickering, recorded in very light. The pixels had captured fast moving white, a fast moving white car, but that was about all the local cops could say for sure. So my thing is, how do you feel if, if that's all you're seeing? And, and, and you know what? Let me go forward because they kind of explain it. Uh, but I don't think it's it's sufficient enough evidence to narrow it down to a white Elantra uh, 2011 to 16. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but, but that's the, the video we saw, but I wonder what the video they got. You know what I mean? No, this is the video that they got. Okay, there you go. Yeah, this is this one saying that they, it wasn't just one. They had poor quality images. They were flickering and recorded in varying light. Uh, the pixels had captured a fast moving white car. And they said, so the promising but far from conclusive videos were swiftly dispatched to building 27958A pod in Quantico, Virginia, so to the FBI. Uh, this is where the forensic examiners and the image analysis unit of the FBI Operational Technology Division worked their magic using a bit of software that had been originally developed at the cost of about one million taxpayer dollars for a secretive defense department outfit nestled deep in the um, Ken clandestine heart of the deep state. And so with a few clicks of a few computer keys, the program searched through staggering inventory cars until ultimately, according to confident Government description identifies the make and model of the vehicle in the still image. And so it wasn't somebody, I guess, according to this article, it was more of a computer software that was able to 
perhaps clean up the images to the best of their ability and uh, and come up with a possible vehicle. It, it says here, the FBI forensic examiner first deduct, deduced that the vehicle was a 2011 to 13 Hyundai Elantra. Upon further review, the uh, Chandrit phase of the Candid Idaho authorities, he decided the mysterious Hyundai might very well be an 11 through 16 vehicle. I wonder when that happened. Because December 7th, and that's after they were already aware of Koberger, they put out 11 to 13. Now, I do not think for a second that they're going to put out a vehicle and it be that badly off because it would fill the tip line with a tremendous amount of tips. In fact, we listened to a video off the Moscow uh, YouTube channel where the uh, chief of police talked about the white Elantra and how many tips that they got and that they were going through. You know, even if you were trying to just put that out there and take the risk of taking the the tips, you could possibly bury good tips amongst all those thousand bad ones. And or you might have somebody who may know something. Let's just say, for instance, they saw Koberger coming back home or around somewhere and they did not want to. um, They didn't come forward because, oh. That's a 15, not a 13. You get what I'm saying? So you could either bury or discredit somebody's tip to the point where they felt the need to come forward. So I don't think that when they put it out there that they purposely did that intentionally. I think that they weren't aware. So this continues. And when he poured over the image of the car consistent with the Hyundai near the the scene that was caught on camera not long after the, the incident... Racing toward Pullman, Washington, he just he it wasn't racing towards Pullman. It went south, and then the pings came out, so that's off. He deduced that it was a 2014 to 16 Hyundai, unless he's referring to maybe perhaps other footage that we're not aware of, right? That maybe perhaps was coming out of Johnson or the other cities that were south. Yeah. Pullman when it was heading towards Pullman at five o'clock in the morning. I'm pretty sure, like, maybe they have the the you know the the lights that capture your license plate when you turn uh, too early before the the, the red light. Wow, maybe, maybe. Have, those have, those are pretty good cameras because I've seen myself quite a few times in those. All right. Well, this goes on to say um, that there was. Further calls for handwriting in the aftermath of the FBI's vaulted forensic image analysis. Despite all the inventive manipulation of the pixels, and that's the other thing, manipulation of the pixels. If that is a term that they use, that they had to manipulate anything in that image, that's not good for the prosecution. You don't want images that were manipulated. Yeah. So if that is an accurate description of what had occurred, um... That could be an issue. All right. So it could be just this writer's you know, point of view. Right. So the manipulation of pixels in the video footage of suspect when the analysis still couldn't come up with a legible shot of the license plate. They couldn't even offer a guess. They simply had no idea. Even more vexing. There wasn't a single legible image of the driver. The Bureau of Wizards tried all sorts of photographic tricks to pull a face from the blur. In the end, however, the best they could decipher was a dark murky shadow hovering over the steering wheel 
and you can't slap handcuffs on a shadow. Right. So what do you think now after reading this or understanding the evidence there? How strong do you think that that vehicle evidence is or how concerned are you, Big Blue? Not too concerned because like um, the general public, most people can't tell you the difference between it. You know, 2012 to 2015 Hyundai Elantra. Right, but this wasn't this wasn't most people. The person that was deciphering this and initially decided it was an 11th or 13 was somebody who was paid to know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big, small police. Uh, I'm not sure FBI. it was the FBI. Yeah, it was the yeah. FBI. It was but the FBI. <laughs> I say with small town police, I don't know. Because if it's if yeah, they should know a little bit more about the cars because they, they have specialists they have to bring in. Right. And this do. this this was a specialist. This is what he was paid to do. He's paid to determine year, make, model, things of that nature, generation of the car. He messed up the first time. The, first. the second time. Yeah, I mean it's possible. It's possible. This also says that there were thirty thousand potential targets, meaning there was thirty thousand um Oh, wait, never mind. There was over here, it said something about how many vehicles. I think it was like 22,000 vehicles that were in that area. <sighs> but all righty, let's see. All I got to say is Honda is a horrible car maker. Why? Because my, my ex got one out that long ago, and the engine almost blew like last month. It's They got a horrible recall on it where it like burns the motor oil or has a leak. And you're burning like a quart a week in gas or more. And there are, there's a back order on motors. So you're like out of a car for like two or three months until they get a new motor in your car. Right. No, yeah, you're absolutely right there, man. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not had a Hyundai, so I wouldn't. I don't think I've had one. I've had a, a Honda. I've had several Hondas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let's continue. This is under this part that says a wide net. This is referencing the phone pings, right? It says, um, at a glance, the new evidence seemed deeply incriminating. Koberger was placed near the Co King Road house immediately before the incident and later, highlighting it away from the scene of the crime in the pre-dawn aftermath. However, when examined closely, it turned out that maps and sketched with swirling impressionic side tumbly-ish hand rather than a choreographed rigor. Uh, so they're talking about when they got his phone pings before and after how, you know, he was all over the place. You know, he went south. He was not going straight to Pullman, things of that nature. Yeah, somebody said uh, we know about this. And, yeah, we, we've seen the reports on it. We, we're trying to yeah. look into it also. Yeah, we, we, we know about Emma Bailey and her boyfriend and what they've been arrested for and charged with. Uh, but well, the information that we got today goes a little bit more into detail. And also there are Emma's possible connection to people inside the King Road residence. And so um, give me one second. Wait till Saturday. Find out some yeah. More. Yeah, I, I just want to vet some things out. There are certain things that I want to vet. And, and certain things that I'm still talking to with this young man. And uh, before we go into detail about that, we might we might talk about it Friday, but I think I want to put this just solely on its own. So it'll probably be a video 
not alive, and it'll be out there probably this weekend. Friday, though, we have uh, Beards and Beers Part 2. So not only will me, Blue, and Jaime be shotgunning a beer, but we will also have Brian from The Opinionated Idiot, and we also have Dan and Steve from Publicly Buzzed on, and we'll be talking all sorts of stuff, not just true crime, but true crime will be probably amongst it. So um, let's continue. Um, what went deliberately unmentioned when police shared their handiwork with the public was that cell phone towers cast a wide net. The range can be as broad as 14 miles. 14 miles. And this goes on to say, just ask any Amazon delivery who's wound up at a neighbor's house. You know, GPS and those things aren't as accurate as you would think. So even in here, they are aware that it was a 14-mile uh, distance. How 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 strong do those phone pings? How strong are they still to you, Blue? Knowing that. Well, I think uh, to me that they're still going to be pretty good at being used in this case because they've been used in a lot of cases. Right. I, I go back to that case where um, the young man said somebody broke into the house. He wasn't there, and he found his mom shot in the back of the head. Right. Right. Um, well, it turns out that he was. That wasn't. Senior. Yeah, that wasn't cell phone towers. That was. They got his phone, and I'm sure they're going to be able to do the same to, to Coburgers. And an answer real quick before any more rumors go about. So Emma's an official. No, no. Um, he didn't tell us that Emma was responsible or had anything to do with what eventually occurred. He didn't say she wasn't. He doesn't know anything like that. He doesn't suspect that being the case. Um, however, um, she did have a tie to the house. And so, uh, which well, I, don't, that. I don't see us as Luther's like everybody says, I see us as uh social media, you know, journalist, <laughs> journalist. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and we, we try to find out more before we put everything out there because then you can mess up somebody's life if you put the wrong information out there, guys. Right. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You definitely can. And, you know, we also try to be um, respectful as we can when it comes to some of the information that does come out. And so we are also trying to word some of these things that we have found out recently. Yeah, so, because we've had major organizations reach out to us um, yeah. and try to put us as bad guys. Well, so. we've had one major one. We've had other major organizations reach out to us and want our help yeah. and want to put us out there. Uh, so we've had one major organization try to say we were, uh, but that had something to do with Brent Kopaka, which we really never pushed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah they, we'll get off of that. They said it was our responsibility for, for other people. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was crap. I was like, how you put us responsible for what other people do? That's like our other creators. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back into this. So this part right here talks about the DNA that they had found. Right. And so I want to go into this. Uh, the DNA It says the problem, however, was the DNA on the knife sheath. Authorities would concede uh, on on background was less than 100 nanograms. A whole lot less. A mere fraction. In fact, of a, of a single nanogram, nothing more than just a handful of microscopic sized cells. Are you concerned about how small the DNA sample was on that sheath? 
I mean, it's pretty small, but it's like a fingerprint. My fingerprint is bigger, but the DNA is, I think, to me, is more damning than a fingerprint, probably. Because you can always say, oh, it's, well, same thing with DNA. Somebody, you know, picked off my fingerprint off of somewhere. But they're oh. talking, they're talking about, according to knowledgeable sources, 20 cells. Now, I'm not a forensic scientist. I'm not going to pretend to be one. However, I think that's a significantly small amount. Right? And it, it, and it even goes there. And it says on there that the, it says Iowa, but I'm sure he meant Idaho crime lab was stymied. It was a scientific challenge beyond their capabilities, but not beyond Orathams. It's a lab equipped with the costly Nova Sec 6000. So this gets into, and these are the founders right here, Christian and David uh, Middleman of the genetic lab in Woodlands, Texas, that helped make the case against Koberger. My biggest concern is I don't see any of this on any document that we've read through yeah. uh, from the courts. You know, even the probable cause affidavit goes on to say that it was the Idaho lab that discovered the DNA. If this ends up being true, I, I, I think there's there's a problem there because that is that is not true. It is not accurate. The probable cause affidavit is not accurate. It makes you wonder how much more of the probable cause affidavit isn't accurate. And what if they did technically find the DNA, but they couldn't test it? They couldn't figure out whose it was, so they had to send it to the secondary lab to do the confirmation test to to find out whose DNA it is. That can't happen. That's possible. They, they right may have it. identified it. Yeah, that's possible. They may have identified it, but couldn't. They may have found it, but not, not be able to identify it and sent it here. You are absolutely right. Let's see. <clears throat> Where do you think Brian will say he was November 13? $2 uh, super chat from Kate. Uh, thank you so much, first and foremost. I think he's going to say that he was on a drive um, and that he likes to drive around and turn his phone off. He, uh, According to the probable cause affidavit, he did something very similar the next day. Uh, he went for a drive and did a similar route that they say that he was on and that during that time he turned his phone off as well. And so if I was his defense team, I would say that's a pattern. And I would say that was a pattern that he would do. It was not something out of the ordinary, something that was not normal, and that he would just merely drive around and enjoy the views and the, um, the scenery. And, and, you know, he's from a rural area, moving to a rural area, and that he enjoyed nature or whatever the case may be. What do you think, Big Blue? Yeah, I mean, have he kind of figured out that, hey, they might – track me he's a smart dude and let me build a pattern in my phone to where i can so i can say i do it all the time yeah i mean he he did the thing is he would know that he would know that and as he was described earlier as one of the brightest students you know out of DeSales university to be recommended only one of two ever by his former professor to the phd program you would assume that he would be aware of that. Yeah. And you would assume, especially when it came to, um, you know, some of the things that he had 
inquired about when it came to applying for a job as an intern police officer, that he wanted to help rural areas with, you know, technical data and things of that nature. Uh, you would assume that he would have been aware of all those things and that they would have, if they would have, you know, thought of him as a possible suspect, that they would have seen that he had been in the area multiple times. Let's see. Uh, Alice Alice comes on with a $10 super chat. Whatever happened with that fuzzy profile photo that was circulating in December of that driver? Looked like a guy with his hat on backwards. Sort of just wonder. I'm not sure which 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 video that was. And now I do know that there was a um, a photo. Uh, are you talking about a white the white Elantra that was from the gas station? I couldn't see anybody inside the car if that's the photo that was circulating. Uh, let me know which one it was. And if, if you can, if you find it, and if it's not that, please, please uh, email that to me. I would appreciate that. So this goes on to say um, that, that this basically company um, found and was able to uh, give a DNA profile. Okay. A DNA profile of the suspect using this new technology or this brand new expensive equipment. And so, um, and, and this goes on to talk about things that are really not that important, to be honest with you. I mean, not, not so much and not that important, but things that we don't know. And he talks about their founder and, 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 and things of that nature that aren't important to this case. Um, talks about his past beliefs, which doesn't make a sense for me. Uh, and so, and it talks about the Snake River and how at one point, whoa, thank you. <laughs> uh, Opalupa, $100 super chat. Wow. We appreciate you. Vance Jackson <laughs> or West Avenue, all the same. Uh, apparently, you're from the San Antonio area. That sounds about right. Well, what do you think, Blue? Yeah, they're, they're, they're right next to each other. I, I do like eating at the West Avenue Taquitos, you know, the tripa tacos are, are good. Chief comes in with a 199 super chat, says, did Emma Bailey's mom really say she was a DoorDash driver? I don't know. I know that, I know that JLR said that, that he was, that she was at one point. I asked the fraternity student that this earlier today, is he actually um, is kind of, According to him, in her circle, and um, I asked him if she was a DoorDash driver, and he said he wasn't aware of that. So he didn't think so. She made significant amount of money doing other things. We'll talk more about those other things this weekend. Um, but he didn't believe that she was not at least at the time that she he was affiliated with her. And I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> so. But yeah, this this was amazing. Thank you so much, Upa Lupa. We appreciate that. Uh, Vance Jackson, like I said before, um, I'm super bad with names. And so I call sometimes Kim, Pam. And there used to be a tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I follow the Steelers. And his name was Vance McDonald. And I could not stop calling him Vance Jackson for my life. In fact, I went to training camp in Latrobe, Pennsylvania not too long ago. While he was there, and I was afraid I was going to call him Vance Jackson instead of Vance McDonald when I got a chance to meet the players. All right, so let's see. 
Amy Harris comes in with 999. We'll be thinking of y'all tomorrow. Good luck. Thank you so much. We appreciate all that and all the questions and, and, and I mean, all the comments. We appreciate that so much. Thank you, guys. She's now in jail and for U of I newspaper. Yep, that's exactly correct. Um, you're right there. Let's see. Let's go back into this. And so, yeah, this thing it goes on to say that Orthams or Orthram, Orthram solved the mystery. A large part of credit belonged to the company's astonished in Nova Sec Six Thousand system, developed by Illumina, the pioneering genetics concern, which is able to sequence the scant amount of DNA from the from the corpse that had been preserved. Oh, so this goes back. So when it, this talks about Snake River and it talks about a corpse that was found there and that how this system was able to use uh, a small amount of DNA from the corpse to to get a uh, to get that to close that case, so to speak. Yeah. And so it really doesn't go much into anything. And this is the officer here, the state trooper, Brian Knoll, who ended up recovering the trash from Koberger's residence that would end up being uh, having the DNA of, of Koberger's father that led him to, uh, you know, basically be arrested uh, the next day. But yeah, that there's not much in here, guys. It's a lot of story in with this, but the key parts about it was we now know what lab in Texas helped Idaho. We also now know that, um, how they were able to figure out the vehicle and what they were able to do and how of the quality of, of the images. And we also know that um, even the officers there are aware that there's a 14 mile radius when it comes to uh, the cell phone pings. So the three main pieces of, of information or, or evidence, in my opinion, are a bit of a concern as far as how strong they are. Uh, put a one in the chat if you guys think that the evidence is still strong. Put a two if you're cons uh, if you're concerned about it. Here's the thing: I wonder if he had an iPhone, right? Does mm -hmm. it say what phone he is? Because I know, like, the Find My iPhone app or those Find the Air Tags, they're pretty accurate. Because I know one of our providers always forgets his, his damn stethoscope everywhere. So he gets on his phone and he just starts looking for it to the, to the office and he'll find it with that air tag he put on it. So yeah, but the air tag uses a different technology than phone pings. And so but the iPhone know, uses the same technology. Um it, yeah, but not when you're using the the connection from the phone to the cell phone towers. That's yeah. different. Now, once you get into the phone and you're able to um get a warrant for the GPS pings for it. Cause there's a difference between GPS and cellular triangulation. Yeah. Right. And so once you're able to get that, then you're going to have a significantly more detailed um, description of where that person or, or phone was at, so to speak. And so um, that's where that's going to come into play. Uh, I see a lot of twos, a lot of twos, a couple ones, one, one, two, 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 two. And so a lot of twos in there. Um, hey, what's going on, Dago? True calm. 
if you guys haven't followed him, he's does some great work as well. And so I don't know, man, I'm pretty concerned about this. <laughs> I'm concerned about the evidence. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, the, one of the main things in the case is going to be if he gets put on the stand and what he says. Would, I don't think he is. And I don't think he is for a couple of reasons. Right. A lot of people say, well, Alex Murdoch, you know, he was a lawyer and he shouldn't have gone on. I think Alex Murdoch didn't have a choice. You know, he was caught in a lie and had to explain himself. You know, if he didn't get caught in that lie with that Snapchat video, putting him at the kennels, then I don't think he would have gone up there. Right. And so unless but with Koberger, a lot of people say, you know, he's he's this or that or whatever, you know, smart or not smart. Uh if his defense is, it's not me, what can he say? I mean, what questions can you ask him outside of, where were you that night? You know, and all he has to do is say, I went for a drive and I turned my phone off like I do all the time. You know, and, and if they ask him like, well, we have phone pings of you around this area, what were you doing? You know, um, you can easily say I, I was not that close to the area. I was in Moscow those times, but I wasn't that, I wasn't in front of them. It's, I don't understand why it's putting me there. And then his defense team is going to argue and bring their experts to come on and say that the, uh, the accuracy is going to be a wide range and that he could have been at wherever it was that he said he was at. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just saw some reason why it is like that. It, all the chats put it way too high. I can't find it anymore. Oh, what did it say more or less? It said that he went cruising for some some, some dirty girls. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, I don't think you're going to find them out there in the middle of nowhere, you know, where he was at at that hour of night, too. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, to me, just, you know, thinking about it, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm concerned. And then, and then you also put in all the other concerns that I have with this, um, with law enforcement in this town. You know, you have the Brady Giglio thing that came out. You have the fact that the defense, uh, the prosecution doesn't want to turn over the evidence to the defense. You have um, the fact that Angel D real quick comes in with a five dollar super chat. What if he says he was obsessed with one of the girls? That could explain a lot, but he didn't commit this crime. I mean, he could say that. I and. The only the only reason why he would say maybe something similar or whatnot was it would be the ID, right? Supposedly there was an ID found in his house inside of a glove that connects to someone back at the house, right? Yeah, and the other thing that that also connects him a little bit <clears throat> that he talk, <clears throat> excuse me that he talked about a lot, but I saw it in a few reports. Of course, it's Fox News reports, but. Um, it was saying that, you know, they had, um, was it, uh, I just lost it, but he was cyber stalking one of the victims. Yeah. So they had to find yeah, that was that a, Yeah, that was in a few places. And I think there was also a report that he had broken into another girl's house and set up cameras for her or something of that nature. Is it possible that maybe he broke into their house too? 
And that's where he got the idea. If I was him, I'd say, hey, I, I did break into their house. That's where I got their ID, but I didn't commit this crime. Right? But you know, yeah. because, you, you know, if he did stalk them and did follow them and watch them, then there's a good possibility that he knew which girls slept on the top uh, third floor. Because from our understanding, you can kind of see into the bedrooms there from behind the house. Right? And so you can see into Kaylee's room because she had that glass lighting door. And then, you know, Maddie's room was closest to that street that's parked there. Maybe that's why he went straight up to the third floor and why he went into Maddie's room first instead of going into Kaylee's room or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. Um, that's possible. And but if he w if the first time that he was in that house was at night and he committed the crime in X amount of time. You know, I find it not very plausible that he's going to go through their stuff and find an ID card and take an ID card. If he's going to take a trophy from that moment, I feel that it would probably be off of that person's person, whether it's jewelry, an earring, necklace, snatch off the necklace, maybe a piece of clothing. I think that is the trophy that you go for in that moment because you have access to it. You're right there. It's dark. You don't need to go and find things, things of that nature, right? So Plus, you're also hear, hearing people talking. To me, the ID card would have been easier for him to find if they went out drinking that night because they would have had it out already for throwing at the bars. Well, I, get out, I the bar just throw everything on top of my dresser. Right. I mean, there's that possibility, but there's also the possibility that they had it in their clothes, in their pants, or in their purse. And for me... I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why they would come home because if you go and watch, for instance, the uh, grub truck video. And you know what? I want to go watch that again because they pay for their items. Right. And and that's going to tell you where that stuff is at. You know, I think Kaylee had a wallet with her. And so why would she take it out of her wallet and put it somewhere else? You get what I'm saying? So and and, and my assumption is maybe perhaps if. Maybe Maddie handed Kaylee because she didn't have her purse with her or whatever the case may be. Maybe Maddie gave Kaylee her ID to hold for the night because she had her wallet and purse. And maybe when they got home that night, she gave it back to her and she put it on the dresser. That is possible. That is possible. Uh, Amy comes in with a $2 super chat. I believe he was there but didn't commit the crime. That's possible, too. That is possible. Let's see. Uh, got your back, brother. Good work. Thank you so much, crime, uh, with your... 1999 super chat we appreciate that thank you, thank you. crime time I, I watch crime time with jb gunner he does some good work does some good work thanks guys. thank you and so um in my opinion like i said um when it comes to that maybe perhaps you know he does pick that that, that driver's license up if he sees it on the dresser or whatever but I think it's more plausible, especially if he'd been in the area a couple of times, especially if he was infatuated with these girls or one of these girls, that he entered that house before that day. And that's when he got the ID. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we have to see what, what IDs it is, too. We don't know if there are any of theirs or just somebody probably could be his old IDs and they can. Or right. maybe he had a fake ID from when he was younger. Maybe that's why they took into evidence. 
and then the other thing is too, and now I'm going to find it because I want to get the, the correct wording on it. I believe it said, well, there's a lot of things. It says ID connected to uh, the victim. Hold on, I want to see what it's because the initial one said connected to somebody in the house, not necessarily one of the victims. Uh, it says sources have now told News Nation they believe they belong to somebody who lived in the Moscow residence, but a gag order on the trial stopped police from confirming any detail. Uh, that sounds stupid. Has stopped police from confirming any details? I don't think that's true. Let me get off of this website. I think that's fake as shit. Let me see. I don't know. I mean, the gag order. Is yeah, but the, the gag order is not going to prevent somebody from, you know, the police from finding information out. I mean, maybe telling the public, maybe. Yeah, the, the gag order would prevent somebody from, you know, the police from telling the public, but it wouldn't, you know, stop the police from being able to find out more information. And that's, I mean, unless I read it wrong, that's possible. I do read things backwards sometimes. All right, so here's from News Nation. This is the source that initially brought it. It says an ID connected to somebody, someone from the quadruple homicide in Moscow was found during the searches of Brian Koberger's residence. Uh, police believe the evidence connecting Koberger was allegedly was to allegedly cyber stalking to someone in the Moscow residence where four University of Idaho students were lives were taken. Police arrested Koberger in his parents' home. So it says connected to somebody in the house. It doesn't say it is someone's from the house. Yeah. And so I don't know, man. But that's the only way I can I can put it out there. Terry Muscatti comes in with a nine ninety nine super chat. Thank you so much. And so just just to kind of go through everything again, or or to talk a little bit more about this weekend, um, the gentleman that that did come forward to us, the University of Idaho fraternity student, um, <laughs> I think that he is. Um, hold on, we have another one. Crime time comes in. JB Gunner comes in. I disagree with you heavily about BK. I respect your work and look forward to being able to gloat. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I don't necessarily think that Koberger is responsible for this yet. And I don't necessarily say he's not. I'm waiting for the results of of the Elantra. If that comes back that there's DNA from the victims. You know, throw them in jail, throw away the key, oh, nine yards. But if there's not any DNA, oh, man, uh, I think they're in trouble. Even if, you know, uh, even if he did do it, I don't think they'll have enough to to arrest. I mean, to uh, find, I think they'll find reasonable doubt without it, even uh, if he see, did commit it. See, here's the thing, like, I think he's, he has to talk. Because of the DNA, he has to say, try to make up something to say that how they got it on the sheet. Right. But once he talks, it's going to make him guilty. If he doesn't talk, then there's no way for him to try like to prove that he's not guilty, and the DNA will still get him. Right. So he has to think of something. His, his defense team has to think of something for them to be able to clear him. Right. I don't know what angle they would use. 
Yeah. And uh, trying to use a Brady Gigolo. Uh, gigolo um. Well, they're going to try to discredit everybody. You know, anybody that's there. That's why they ask for the training and everything that goes along with the officers. They're going to want to put the officers on stand and see if they're, um, you know, if there's anything that they can put a hole into their, their, you know, their story, their credibility, any of those things, right? And, you know, that's just having a good defense team, you know, regardless of it's true or not, it's having a good defense team. Now, crime time, uh, JB, I, I highly recommend staying tuned on Saturday. We did have a guy from the University of Idaho come forward. Um, he heard our conversation with Kim yesterday. If you haven't checked that out, I, I recommend doing so. And uh, he had some similar uh, things to say. Not everything the same, uh, but some similar stuff. But he did come up with, you know, not necessarily telling me um, certain things, but I've been able to deduce some things from what he said. And I think I figured out why maybe some things were said. It's kind of hard when I'm trying to purposely be vague. And, and I am because I've been able to verify that he is a student at the University of Idaho, that he is in a fraternity that's there. I just want to verify everything that I possibly can before I put this out there. And so um, I just, I just want to you know verify as much as I can. I verified a lot already. Yeah, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I find the information that they have to be highly suspect uh, or highly, not very much. You know, and, and a lot of people think that, for instance, that they were on to Koberger at a, like at a sooner time, right? And and that wasn't the case. I don't think that was the case. I, I, I strongly suspect that when Koberger took off to Pennsylvania, that the police there freaked out and thought he was fleeing. And they started, they, they looked into his background and tried to find any reason to have a warrant to pull his GPS or his, his phone pings. And based off of those phone pings and them being off at the time of the commission of the crime and then on afterwards was able to get, you know, um, articulated a reason for them to pull the trash. And then they got the DNA. And so um, that's kind of where I'm at on that situation. Now, I will say that the person who came forward is closer to um, Emma Bailey and D or Demetrius than those that are inside the King Road residence. However, he did know someone kind of close that was there that did pass away. And so I just want to verify a few things and then we'll be having that video out uh, this uh this Saturday, I want to say, if not sooner, I'll try to put it out sooner, but with the baby coming tomorrow. And I also had, I have another video that we'll be putting out probably this weekend as well. Uh, I had a, uh, a lady come forward and she, she put her name and everything out there. So there's nothing that's disclosed about that, but that's in the Amy Malavik case. Yeah. And she has a lot of information when it comes to a possible suspect in that case. And so uh, that video is also being in the works as well. We've had a lot of people come forward in several different cases across the board who want our help. And we, we're trying to get to as many as possible. Yeah. Um, but we're definitely going to do our best to get to all of them. Let's yeah, just... I think I tell everybody, it's hard for me, it's hard to investigate and do stuff with four hours of sleep sometimes, you know. I might have got such a busy schedule sometimes. There's a couple days a week that I only get about four hours. Thank you, JB. We appreciate that. 
Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, let's see. If blood was found in his apartment on the pillow and mattress cover is definitely in his car. See, here's the thing about the blood in his house. All right. So let's put, uh, you know, we'll answer this before we let everybody go. Right. So if the blood was in his house and it was only on the pillowcase and on the mattress cover, right? Why wasn't it on anything else? Like, I don't know, the sheets, the, blanket. the, the blankets, the, the actual, yeah, you know, the rug leading up to the mattress if he was walking in, in soiled, blood soiled stuff, right? To me, it's more likely that he went from a high humidity area like the Pocono Mountains to a high or low dry area of Pullman, Washington, Idaho, uh, that I think it's more likely he had a bloody nose. You know, I would have expected to find things like in the drain. They should have found something in the drain. You would expect that the first thing that he did when he got home was take a shower, wash this yeah. off. And OCD as he is, that's what I thought he would have done. Right, exactly. And sometimes they can pull the drains and swab the drains, but he hadn't been there for a while. So, because if it's right. like the same day he took a shower and they pulled the drain, sometimes some of the blood, you know, clots and is stuck in the drain. And I think that answers also if the but the, the bloody nose answers why. Because there's a question like, does he? It was an uncased pillow, right? That they said that they found. If there was another pillow with a case on it, some speculate why is that one not have a case on it? Was he trying to hide DNA, you know, evidence? I don't think so. If he had a bloody nose and he ruined the pillowcase, probably just threw it out. Now, the one thing that is suspicious about it was he didn't have a shower curtain. Well, that is the thing that I found suspicious about what they found in his apartment is that there wasn't a shower curtain. I wonder why. I wonder why he didn't have a shower. If he, did he ever have a shower curtain? You know, if he did at one point, why is it missing? Now, there's a multitude of reasons why it could be missing. But I find that to be the most suspicious thing about his apartment was the shower curtain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, everything else I find to be nothing there big nothing burger you know when they're looking at the pizza cut the pizza cutter and looking for evidence of blood on that that's when it tells me they didn't find jack yeah i mean look at the case that we were talking about earlier uh in oklahoma uh, the, the 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 seven people found dead in the, the one house right and one of them was the perpetrator the police left so much evidence in that house because the guy, you know, off himself and there was nowhere to go. But they found, what, 30 phones, like three three computers, and he was a known... Um, offender. Yeah, I'm trying to find the word to say something. <laughs> There's a known offender registered and he missed court that monday that's the only reason why they went to go check the house 
because he missed his court date and they they, they did a, a warrant for him i mean the family went in there with the camera crew and found their daughter's phone in the cabinet the police didn't even collect it and what the cop that was there then they called the cops to pick it up like but what do you expect us to do with this right like you know that's to me that's a worse police department than the moscow yeah. police department right there they could have called the fbi and got you know maybe there's other families missing children out there that this guy got and he has it photographic evidence on those laptops computers or phones maybe they'll find a lot more missing children if they did their actual job right uh, i wanted to do a little report on it so maybe i will I'll look up this guy and see what he's been up right what's what's up with this guy thank you jb again for your your donation we appreciate that uh, i mean it, it's that's a possible thing i just i don't i don't I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I don't know about coworker sexual life to that extent, and so. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, no, dude, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right in that situation. Uh, but with all that said, I think you know we've gone over an hour already. We try to keep these to an hour, yeah. uh, especially right now that I got to be up in a few hours because <laughs> it's a big day tomorrow. We're excited. Um, I'll. I'll probably post some pictures up. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Um, but stay tuned for that. And also, guys, stay tuned for the, the interview this weekend. Um, well, it's not an interview. It's more of um, an, a breakdown of what was told to me. And I think it'll help understand a couple of things. And perhaps also maybe um, it also, there's some question. There's some question there. And especially when it comes uh, to um, why 911 wasn't called that morning. Because I can say this part about it. Uh, the student that came to me uh, told me that he had a group chat amongst his fraternity and that they were talking about this situation at 930 in the morning, the day that this happened. Now, he wasn't aware that nobody called 911. So before anybody goes like, oh, why didn't they call 911? Yada, yada, yada. They, the folks that were talking, you know, and at least in his group of people, weren't aware that 911 wasn't called at that moment. They found out after the fact when, you know, news media informed everybody that it was at noon. And he himself wonders why 911 wasn't called. And so he has, he has his, uh, you know, speculation and beliefs as well. But, um, you know, I got to vet some things out and then we'll go into more detail. So please stay tuned for that. Blue, do you have any uh, final words? No, just everybody have a good night. Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight, listening to us. Um, be safe out there. You know, um, the, the island shooting reminded us that we could be having a peaceful day and it'd be our last day. Yeah. I'll take care, guys. Yeah. From, we'll see you guys on Friday night. Peace out. Yeah, somebody said here that's lying under oath. 